नमस्ते जय शिवाय टुडे वी आर गोइंग टू टॉक अबाउट डिफरेंट टाइप्स ऑफ मुक्ति दैट हैव बीन डिस्क्राइब्ड इन वेरियस स्क्रिप्चर स्क्रिप्चरल स्पिरिचुअल स्क्रिप्चर्स एंड बुक्स लाइक दैट एंड टेक्स्ट लाइक दैट एंड ऑल डिफरेंट काइंड्स ऑफ मोक्षा दैट वन कैन अटेन but uh, the thing is that all these four five different types of mukti or moksha ultimate spiritual liberation that has been defined into so many uh, different uh, texts and scriptures they all are basically defined as one you know by you know maharshi patanjali so when it comes to yoga and uh, you know for yogis for serious seekers the reason i say keep referring back to yoga darshan as a scripture is because it's simple and straightforward to understand nirvikalpa samadhi is nirvikalpa samadhi it is enlightenment it is self realization the end state that one attains according to maharshi patanjali which we describe as kavalyam is contains you know all of this these types of muktis and mokshas that have been defined but still at times a question comes like what all is attained as a as a result of moksha or as a result of uh, nirvikalpa samadhi what is attained what is not and how so usually all the gurus most gurus they do provide their own experience right that is the first hand thing that a guru can give you their own first hand experience of nirvikalpa samadhi or you can say enlightenment or you can say self realization or the moksha mukti so they can give you that first hand account of what they have experienced but but other than that you also need to know how many sages and rishis and rishikas actually defined all these things in different scriptures and what what is written and why would there was ever a need to define things like that now in order to understand this video the content of this video it's better if you watch the previous video that was published last monday which was about uh, god brahm parmatma and you know parmeshwara and uh, bhagwan even the title says brahm parmatma bhagwan and god uh, of that video why because then you will understand how we define brahm how we define uh, aspect functional aspect is parmatma and how we define bhagwan and that way it will be clear to you how one type of mukti is connected to one aspect of that supreme so one supreme divine being how other aspect other types of mokshas or muktis or liberations are connected to the other aspects of uh, one supreme divine being it will help you understand that okay so let's start with uh, you know first one which starts with brahma so as we know brahma is the unmanifest or you can say non existent or you can say you know nirgun nirakar formless and gunasless less lack of gunas is there guna are three satva rajas tamas equilibrium of all three gunas is called as prakriti so none of that exists in the brahma aspect of 
that one supreme divine being. Now, there we are not talking about three different gods here or three different divine beings here. No, these are just the three different aspects or three different roles, three different um, aspect based on the functions that uh, one supreme divine being has. Okay, so Brahma is the non-existent, formless, shapeless, and uh, gunaless and uh, devoid of any gunas kind of an aspect of the Paramatma, of the one supreme divine being. And the moksha, the mukti that is connected to usually the Brahma aspect is called as Sayujya Mukti. Okay. Again, I'll repeat the word. It's Sayujya Mukti. Okay. I'll write these terms in English in the description box so you can uh, see what the how it is spelled <clears throat> and you do not have to worry about here and there. If you are trying to read them over the internet, <clears throat> you can. But the thing is that a lot of people in the modern translations, especially the English ones, are not 100% complete or concrete, you can say. So there could be a lot of debate between, oh, this is the good one or that one is a lower one, that one is a higher one. Well, moksha is moksha. Okay. Once you get out of all the bandhanas, all the bondages, okay, and you reach nirvikalpa samadhi, and nirvikalpa samadhi completes, that is game over for you in the human body. Okay, so never ever get into the arguments or debate of whether this is a better one or that is a better one. Well, get one first. <laughs> get get to the level where you can reach nirvikalpa samadhi. Then you will know the truth. There is only, you know, only a limited, through only limited number of words in the language we can describe all these things. There are no words there. You may see that how after Nirvikalpa Samadhi completes, how most of the people, those who have attained that, attained self-realization, attained Nirvikalpa, they kind of become speechless. Why is it so? There are no words to describe what they have just, what has happened to them. It's very hard to describe their own, our own enlightenment experience or self-realization experience. And same is the case with the, the Samadhi. There's no way to, you know, describe different in lot of words or try to understand them. If we want to understand them just mentally, it is not going to work. You have to attain those states in order to fully know what they are. Without fully reaching that level of meditation, that level of uh, dhyana, dharana, and reaching those level of lower samadhis, there is no way to understand these things uh, by just words and all. And you may think that, you know, I need to know beforehand, otherwise when it happens, I will not know what will happen to me, what has happened to me. No, that is not true. Once these states are reached, once all this happens to you, you will, without any doubt, you will know what is exactly has happened. And you may define it in different words and different things. Still, what exactly has happened, you will always know. The technicalities of it, because it's your first-hand experience. I have people from uh, a lot of different countries, basically, who do not even speak uh, 
English is not their first language. So they, they are able to communicate with me in a very, uh, you know, broken kind of English. Yet, when they realize these states and stuff, it's such a thing that it's one-on-one -on -one, one -on -one connection between them and me. So even when they write about it in a broken English or some language, say, we exactly know, they know it and I know it that they are what they are describing. It's that kind of a thing, you know. So language is not needed, words are not needed once you realize these states. So don't pay too much attention to, you know, the worldly explanation of these things. Yet from the superficial point of view, if you are trying to understand these things, and especially those of you who are already in the Savikalpa Samadhi states, if they want to learn a little more about how different aspects of Paramatma work, this is less about what one attains as a moksha, mukti or moksha. This is again more about what are the different aspects. The amazing thing about this explanation, this whole video is again about what one 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 could get. What 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 is Paramatma's different or one supreme divine being's different aspects are. So you can have a different take, different perspective for this while watching this video that you focus more on oh it's just amazing to know that one supreme divine reality and what it can give to the seekers in the form of different kinds of moksha so the first one is sayujya mukti it is also called as brahma sayujya okay so either we call it sayujya moksha sayujya mukti or we call it brahma sayujya it's about complete absorption into the Brahma aspect of Paramatma, into the Brahma aspect of that one supreme divine being, into the Nirguna Nirakara aspect, complete absorption into, into him. Now, the moment, the day Nirvikalpa, when Nirvikalpa Samadhi starts, this is the state one gets into. Full self-absorption. And when we, ref when we say self-absorption, we are referring to Paramatma, the Supreme Self. We are not talking about the self that we ourselves are, which means Atma. So in other words, you can say that in a way, Atma, though technically Atma exists, right? Even though the self-absorption, the Paramatma absorption in Brahma has happened, still Atma exists, but Atma is not perceiving himself or herself at all. What is being perceived by whom cannot be described, cannot be said. So it's mostly like, you know, as if only the Brahma remains, nothing else. And if I tell you from, uh, you know, uh, my own experience, then also it's like, you know, for my Nirvikalpa Samadhi continued for like, 73 75 days something like that and uh, yeah no perception was there no localized perception of there as if i was not living at all and uh, yeah when you come back from it you know so what remains when you come back from it it's like living beyond time and space and uh, 
the hundred percent completion of sayujya mukti happens when one leaves this physical body so when uh, mahasamadhi happens okay when an enlightened one or self realized person leaves their physical body that is when 100% brahma sayujya happens but till the time we have this body our subtle bodies become expanded in such a way to the size of the cosmos or you can say it's it's as if forever expansion has happened at the level of cosmos at the level of infinity and uh, that kind of an absorption is just it just makes you non existent basically living beyond time and space you can say and uh, because not only this physical body uh, we have uh, subtle body sheets as well right panchakoshas so this is annamaya kosh and then you have pranamaya kosh and then you have uh, manomaya kosh and then you have vigyanamaya um, uh, kosh and then anandamaya kosh so till the time the four the perception from all the four bodies is not there even the perception last perception of anandamaya kosh is not there in the brahmasayujya it when that state ends when you come out of samadhi that is when you are bursting with bliss bursting with brahmananda ananda of brahm you are bursting in it and all the what does mind have mind is non existent during brahmasayujya or you can say in the nirvikalpa samadhi or the enlightenment or self realization you can say mind is non existent in other words mind exists but because there are no spiritual ignorance or avidya driven chitta vritti is there so no drama nothing there is nothing basically and this is also the state when one is when it ends one is able to say that you know nothing ever happened this is where it comes from it was started everything was parmatma and you or brahma and you just that unmanifest and you just merged into that unmanifest at least from not from the physical body part but from all your subtle bodies your your you as an atma okay not that all your bodies start dissolving into parmatma <laughs> into brahma no you as an atma has put their own five sheets lay body layers aside so no perception is coming from any of those instead atma is directly in merger or union with brahma the unmanifest a lot of powers supernatural powers especially uh, the powers of you know becoming all knower and having brahmananda always these are the things that you retain afterwards all right and uh, all functions of mind chit all that stops a person becomes a, we call them gyani afterwards and this is the reason we call them all knower or gyani 
or the wisdom holder, truth holder, beholder of truth, beholder of uh, wisdom. We call them that because of this one union, right? Sayujya moksha that one gets. And it completes when one leaves this physical body. All the subtle bodies are dissolved. And as a result, only the perception, then Atma's perception only happens through the Anandamaya Kosh, the last body layer, the last body sheet that we have. Once this body is gone, and uh, Anandamaya Kosh is an impersonal one. It's not a personal thing that one has got. Anandamaya Kosh is one extended from Brahma, extended from Paramatma, extended from Brahma, one supreme divine reality or God. And that is same for everybody. It's not different like I have a different physical body, you have a different physical body. It's not like that. So this is all about, you know, Brahma, Mukti or you can say Sayujya, Mukti. A person becomes Sarvagyani sort of. And uh, any Shakti or the, all the Shaktis or everything is in the seed form. They're not in the manifest form. They're in the unmanifest form. So in finite realities, in finite siddhis, powers, or you can say in finite things, in, everything in finite can be manifested because it's the potential of manifestation itself. Brahm is the potential of mani manifestation now what can be manifested manifestation itself manifests before even manifesting anything right so this is sayuji mukti now you will see a lot of people describing that or saying in lot of explanations or commentaries that uh, sayuji mukti does not happen until one leaves the body physical body yes that is true it does not complete but through nirvikalpa samadhi you do not uh, uh, through nirvikalpa samadhi you do not experience the unmanifest the shiva part we call that call it brahma we call it shiva that which is not the unmanifest source of everything you do not experience that 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 would be foolishness to say that right so no it is experienced and this is what it is now the next one is the Paramatma aspect of Brahma. Paramatma, in last video, that video that I am referring to, I explained that, you know, Paramatma is the functional aspect of Brahma. So, Parma, Brahma is the unmanifest aspect. And Brahma actually comes through Adi Shakti, through Padpara Shakti, which are Brahma's own shaktis in the seed <clears throat> form okay so potential form i mean there is a potential to manifest something so those kind of seed shaktis are called as parashakti or adi shakti adya shakti so these through his own shaktis when brahma becomes paramatma paramatma means the functional aspect the sagun sakar aspect and it has a form it has a shape it uh, does the function of uh, creation of the universe, sustenance of the universe, or destruction of the universe, and so many other things, right? All the functions that God performs, and all the different kinds of shaktis. This shakti, that shakti, they all originate basically from the parashakti or adi shakti aspects of the shakti, of the Brahma himself. 
Brahma itself, himself, herself, whatever you adjective you would like to put there, right? So these are the, so then becomes Paramatma. Brahma becomes Paramatma in the uh, functional aspect. Or you can say Parmeshwara or some people call it Ishwara in, in the short. So this is the Sagun Sakara aspect. Now, in this aspect, Paramatma is the death of death itself. You see, we know death, we know destruction. But who is the de destruction of the destruction itself or the death of the death itself? Paramatma aspect of one supreme divine being is the death of the death itself. There is a beautiful shloka that describes all that is Mrityur Mrityum uh, Namamyaham in Sanskrit where it says that you know Paramatma aspect or the functional aspect of uh, God is basically the death of death itself. And uh, now the, there are four different kinds of muktis or mokshas that have been connected to the Paramatma aspect. Okay, and uh, in the Paramatma aspect, the self remains, means the small self, the Atma remains. So when all the Brahma Sayuji or the um, Sayuji Mukti or that Nirvikalpa has come and it, had, it has gone through and it's ended, then afterwards what happens? We realize that we come into the Paramatma aspect of uh, God. And in that, the first one is now there should be an Atma to experience all these kind of muktis, right? So Atma, Atma needs to come back to its, some, somewhat come back to its localization in this way or that way or this form or that form. Although, does that absorption, self-absorption ends 100%? No. The moment we close our eyes, we are gone forever. <laughs> that is how it feels like. Just world does not exist. Nothing exists. The moment enlightened people or, you know, samadhi people close their eyes, the world is not there. Nobody is not. Nobody is there, actually. Nothing is there. It, it, it is like that. It's a beautiful thing. So that self-absorption state always stays. And it, it just comes to realization. If we close our eyes, it's, it's not there. Nothing is there outside. And... Uh, the first one that is part of the Paramatma aspect of Mukti is called as Sarshti. Okay, again I will spell it in the description box or on, on this video somewhere so you do not end up looking for spelling or how to spell it or how to pronounce it. I'll put that in the video. So the Sarshti. In this kind of a Mukti, an Atma becomes abundant with everything. Now, it, usually people connect abundance with mm, physical or material wealth or, you know, money, finance, this, that. No, it's not just that. If you really truly want to understand, you know, the abundance, what is abundance? There is a video that I created long back <clears throat> and it explains you actually what abundance truly is, how it connects to your physical body, what is abundance means for your physical body. What does abundance means for your uh, pranic body? What does abundance means for your Manumaya Kosha? 
for your mental emotional body what does abundance uh, means for your vigyana maya kosha what does abundance means for your ananda maya kosha so all your five body layers and sheets what does abundance how does abundance apply to each one of them and then life is basically about dharma arth kaam moksha there is one video which i created to explain what is dharma arth kaam moksha and it's the muladhara chakra or root chakra video on my channel so you can watch that if you want to understand what does it exactly mean all four of these all four of these are also termed as four purusharthas okay four efforts of human life okay so all these four efforts how does abundance apply to dharma aspect how does uh, abundance apply to uh, the kama the desire aspect how does abundance apply to the artha or resourcefulness kind of an aspect how uh, what does abundance means for the moksha kind of an aspect so abundance in all your bodies abundance for all kinds of efforts that through human life one may go through it's such a wide meaning such a such a huge meaning of abundance is there it's unfathomable the abundance itself is unfathomable at this stage what one gets from parmatma as a sarshti mukti as part of get becoming one with parmatma okay and then this is the first one and then next one is sarupya so sarupya means one becomes like parmatma from the form now parmatma's form cannot be you know considered just about as if parmatma has four hands or 10 hands or two legs or one nose or two eyes or 100 eyes or whatever no no physical aspect can be considered for although parmatma is with form in this uh, in its form in the par- in this aspect it's sagun and sakar so there is a form yet that form um, does not look like human body or anything like that if picture people draw the pictures of mahavishnu and vishnu and it's so many stages and this and that and they draw the figures like human and everything but yet still you know can we cannot compare the physical body of parmatma <laughs> use the physical body of parmatma when we are talking about sarupya means like physically or you know from the rupa so the rupa of mahavishnu or bhagwan should be understood from the efforts that human life is going to do when one is enlightened or one is in this kind of a mukti and they are the four purusharthas means four kinds of efforts which are dharma arth kaam moksha so now once one gets this kind of mukti all the efforts are driven dharma setup is being done dharma is being followed or you know there are 10 or you can say 37 different some scriptures define 10 aspects so that at least people can follow 10 but there are 37 different uh, things that one must do or one must go through as part of uh, you know following dharma or if, if you talk about maharshi patanjali then dharma is yama niyama and pratyahar and pranayama and dharma dharma is all all six eight of eight limbs of yoga right for a yogi so dharma is being dharma has to be set up dharma has to be 
uh, one needs to uphold dharma and all that is through the divine will. Earlier there was a will of an atma and even earlier that there was a will of all those identities that you have. Right? That's how you were functioning. If it's the dharma of a mother, if you are have an identity of a mother or a father or a husband or a lover or you know wife or somebody's daughter or son or the friend or this or boss or employee. So many identities are there. So dharma was according to those identities. And when you walked your spiritual journey all the way, reached samadhi, then no, there were no identities left and then you were left with the true I, the real I, the real you, right? Which is just an Atma. So then Dharma was according to Atma and Atma's Dharma and at that level, at that stage is just to merge with Paramatma. That is what the Atma's Dharma was. Atma's Dharma was to go on walking the journey until Moksha is attained. That was Atma's dharma. Go on, get into that burning state of bhakti, no matter how much torturous it feels and how much an Atma, you know, is, get, is getting uh, burned or tortured, is dealing with all kinds of <clears throat> uh, longing and pain, painful separation, experiencing the separation from Paramatma. No matter what, Atma's dharma was to keep on going towards Paramatma in one way or the other. Through yoga, through bhakti, through jnana, through shakti, through this, through that. That is what Atma's dharma was. But now, neither the dharma of Atma nor the dharma, dharma of all those identities, when identities do not exist in themselves, then there is no point in having the dharma, doing the dharma setup according to the, upholding the dharma for those identities. No. So the dharma is being uphold or you know is being set up according to the divine will. That is what <clears throat> the meaning of Sarupya Mukti means. That is the first aspect. Second is Artha. Artha means all the uh, resourcefulness that, that one had earlier. When for identities, you think as a mother I need to have this, I, as a father I need to do this or have this or be resourceful for this thing or that thing. And then later on it became like uh, in terms of Atma, Atma wanted to have resourcefulness so that Atma can comfortably go on walking their journey towards Paramatma, towards completing the Samadhi and getting attaining the Moksha. So Atma's resourcefulness was for that purpose. But now none of those exist. In, instead, the artha, the resourcefulness exists as per the divine will. Whatever has to be done for whatever the money is needed or resources are needed or this is needed or that is needed, it's divine will, it gets done. If something is not needed, nothing gets done. That doesn't get done. I mean, there, there is no effort. You can say there is no will, though, no personal will, no personal agenda, you can say after enlightenment, after attaining this moksha. So, artha becomes divine driven, divine will driven. Okay. And then, next is kama. Kama means desires. So, at first, desires were all, you know, being generated from that spiritual ignorance. I need to have a car or this or that or whatever. Now, when the question when somebody attained samadhi or was closer to samadhi or was about to reach samadhis the desires were just related to bhakti just related to gyan just related to taking care of the body only to the extent that one is not attached to the body but needs to retain the body in a solid 
way or powerful way so that moksha can be attained in this lifetime and death or disease does not come to the body so atma's desires were like that atma's desires were to attain uh, attend some satsang with the guru atma's desires were to get initiated atma's desires were to you know get enough money so that one can go on completing their duties and responsibilities yet be able to walk their spiritual journey atma's desires were to read this or understand this or know this or know that or you know get into much more sadhana or uh, spiritual practices to basically uh, have the knowledge of this have knowledge of that or realize this ananda realize that so those were all atma's desires and then now after you attain this uh, sarupya mukti or you can say you finish your nirvikalpa samadhi through this mukti this kind of moksha the desires and will is of divine so all desires are divine's desires many times some people some seekers will call me and uh, i'll not pick up their phone some people email me i'll not answer some people will ask something here and there and i i may not answer and people may think i am purposefully doing it <laughs> no i am not <laughs> i have no personal i have no personal thing with anybody right i don't know person a person b person c person d and i am not making any kind of differentiation either it is just happening that way and then i have to explain them that you know maybe you are not ready to have that answer right you might be asking question or you might want to do have a shoulder to cry or you might wanted to debate with me or you know discuss something with me but what i have to give you in that very moment you are not ready for that and until you are ready that answer is not going to happen to you that gyan is not going to happen to you for me personally there is no difference between person a person b c d and all those people there is there is nothing called as you know one is favorite or another one is my own favorite or this is this is supreme favorite no there is no categorization of things like that it is just happening that way whatever i am performing wherever i am performing or whatever is getting done or whatever is not getting done you cannot call that my desire it's not everything is working understand that everything becomes a divine will a divine desire whether something happens or does not happen how does that matter to an atma an atma who has attained moksha or you know self realization has happened how does something getting done or not getting done impacts them one is in ananda if anything gets done they will still be in ananda and brahma sayuj in the self absorption with brahma and if nothing gets done they will still be in that stage thus is the state changing because of something getting done or not getting done no there is no state change after attaining self realization after attaining moksha, moksha mukti and moksha nothing is changing is there any upheaval no is there any are there any disturbances 
nothing like that. So you may think that, you know, they, because there is nothing that we command. No. A lot of time when I am giving uh, gyan, different kind of wisdom to people, even I don't know that I know that. Only after telling you, only after making a video, I know that I know that. So you see, whatever is coming out from, coming out through me, whatever is, it's all divine will. So never think I have personally anything with you or one person is favorite than the other person. Okay. <clears throat> so this is Sarupya Kama part. Okay. Sarupya Mukti's impact on Kama, desires. And last one is Moksha. So Sarupya Moksha, Sarupya Mukti, that is the final part. This is what it means. All the four Purusharthas are given by Paramatma. All these four functions means 100% divine will. It starts functioning in one's life. This is what exactly if you want to detail down what is meant by divine will. Then this is what is meant by divine will. Means having dharma, artha, kama, moksha, all four efforts or four drivers of human life are now being divine will driven. Last one is Samipya. Samipya means closeness to the God. This is very easy to understand. Right? One stays in the closeness to the God forever. To the, to the Paramatma forever. Does that experience ever goes away? No, it doesn't. Does that Ananda ever goes away? As a result of Paramananda that we got? Or the Brahmananda that we got from Sayuja Mukti? Does that ever leaves you? No, it does not. It never leaves you. It keeps you intoxicated all the time. <laughs> and no matter how, however many harsh, hard things are happening around, that Ananda is still there. How many difficult situations one is facing, that Brahmananda and Parmananda are always there. So that is what we get from the Paramatma aspect of. So these four muktis, four mokshas from the Paramatma aspect. And then the Sayuja one, Sayuja from the Brahma aspect. So this covers all the aspects of Paramatma. Now what do we get from when one is in Bhakti with the Bhagwan? With the Bhagwan, you can get Gyan. You can have Bhakti towards them. But... Bhagwan does not give anybody directly any moksha, is not responsible for. And if you want to understand what do we call as, as Bhagwan, then you need to watch that previous video where I have explained that any, uh, you know, any avatar incarnation of this Mahavishnu or Paramatma or incarnation of one supreme reality or you know the guru that we can call bhagwan anybody who possesses six qualities that are defined are is considered as a bhagwan some people consider their parents as bhagwan some people consider their guru as bhagwan so guru can be bhagwan all the avatar of mahavishnu that have happened uh, the paramatma that have happened like bhagwan krishna bhagwan ram vara avatar and narsim avatar and any avatar all the uh, avatars that we had all are the Paramatma's avatar are all Bhagwans. 
and then <clears throat> all the shaktis are from Paramatma. Shaktis cannot be termed as Bhagavan. Shaktis never come to the for that much of a gross or physical form. Right? Shaktis always stay in the subtle dimensions because Paramatma is way much more subtler than Bhagavan aspect. So it's one supreme being but three different as aspects. Param Brahma, Paramatma and Bhagavan. So I hope this, uh, you know, helps you understand all kinds of different kinds of moksha and mukti. But again, don't do any kind of mental gymnastic over all these things. You can read about them. Based on these different kinds of mukti and moksha, a lot of people try to, uh, you know, come up with, invent new, new different kinds of samadhis as, as well. But, Again, I would say no need to confuse yourself by reading all the text and stuff. If you ever want to read about Samadhis, Moksha and Kavalyam state and everything, then you can, the best thing is Yoga Darshan to read. By Maharshi Patanjali, it's least confusing. No confusion happens while reading it. It's much more straightforward. And after, even if you do not want to read it, that's fine. Just experience it. Know it that way. Gyan of wisdom of yoga happens through yoga. So you need to be in divine union and divine merger in Brahma Sayuja or you know all these four Mukti Moksha. You have to be in Nirvikalpa Samadhi and then you will know everything. And a lot of people just watch videos here and there and please do not come to me and tell me this. Why is this guru or that anchor or that person is saying this about what you said this and this said this. Don't do all that. I do not have time to watch all those videos. Hundreds of videos I get sent by people. Do not send me all those videos. I'm not going to watch them. Do not have time. And then if you have question, ask that on those videos. On my videos, you can ask me questions what I am saying about. And again, I would say, do not just rely on my videos or YouTube videos or anybody else's videos when it comes to wisdom. Rely on two things. Two more things. One is read the textbooks, proper books. That is first thing. And second thing is be in that state. Pursue your yogic journey, spiritual journey. Very seriously, very religiously. And be in that state to know it. Be in that kind of a samadhi to know it. Attain that kind of a mukti or moksha and then know it. Do not just rely on videos or gurus words or this or that. No, no, nowhere it is written that, you know, you should just rely on gurus word. Wisdom comes in so many forms. Wisdom comes from so many sources. Be ready to learn. Open yourself so much that you are ready to learn from anybody and everybody. And complete your spiritual journey as quickly as possible. Okay. Namaste. Jai Shivai.